We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. You can listen to old shows there and, of course, ask a question via the Lister Inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good to see you morning, all. Good morning, Scott. Uh, uh, will you give to your kids? <laughs> Don't, don't we all the time? Yeah, it's just been a continuous uh, experiment here. Well, I think the, the difference is there's there's two conversations happening. There are parents thinking like you think we've already given our kids yeah. everything, That's haven't right. we? That's right. They owe us. Uh, and then there's our adult children who are thinking they are getting an inheritance mm-hmm. and continue to receive. It's just receive, receive, receive. <laughs> I and, and I think that's the interesting part of the discussion. As we meet with clients, and we're often, if we're, for example, talking about a, someone who's pre-retired mm-hmm. or or recently retired, you know, if somebody's in their sixties, it's quite possible their parents are in their mid eighties, mm-hmm. early nineties, and now that the discussion about an inheritance sort of becomes to the forefront. You know, they own their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's just us two kids. I'm pretty sure we'll probably get an inheritance. And when you start thinking about dollar amounts, et cetera. And, and that is, and I think that's true. I mean, most, uh, most parents or at, you know, senior parents when asked if they are going, planning to leave an estate or a legacy for their kids, um, they generally, they all feel they want to do something. Now there are, there is that camp that wants to spend it all and mm-hmm. don't leave anything. The bumper sticker on the motor exactly. home, I'm driving my kids inheritance. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But um, the you know the problem is is that again a lot of people don't have a will and we still see that statistically today fifty yeah. percent of people don't have a will and seventy five percent don't have an up to date will hmm. so really there's not very many people that have stayed on top of their wills and understandably there's some cost there's obviously decisions to be made but typically there's a lot of reasons to sort of get ready to make that decision you know you're thinking about it. You, you, a lot of people want to avoid those discussions. They yeah. don't want to talk about the family issues. Uh, you know, there's arguments over who will be executors or who will be alternates, who's going to be power of attorney. And these things can really stall people and, and just done. That's mm. I think that's probably the biggest roadblock for so many people. And um, the problem is if you die in testate, which is without a will, then the province of Ontario sort of dictates how that money is going to go. So I think that the, there's a few things I just wanted to talk about. And uh, I guess on the other side of the coin, as those young uh, adults, those boomers, say baby boomers today that are retiring and thinking about inheritance, um, our parents tell us 62%, or sorry, us, we figure out that 62% of us between age 30 and 44 are anticipating receiving an inheritance. Mm. 30 62%, almost two-thirds. Uh, 45% of Canadians age 60 and over who are already retired are concerned their savings will be depleted during their retirement and that they will not have any money to leave behind. Hmm. And finally, 25% are not willing to make any personal sacrifices in order to leave others an inheritance. Do you so, think there's less inheritance now than there was years ago simply because people are living longer, therefore burning through their money? Boy, I, 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 I would say there's two parts to that. Part one is that uh, more of our parents' generation uh, have accumulated money for the long term. In other words, they built up 
investments mm-hmm. and savings. They tended to be much more uh, focused or I guess frugal in some, yeah. respe- in some respects in terms of accumulating money, paying down debts, living within their means. And uh, as a result, they've accumulated net wealth, uh, I think more wealth, particularly uh, today in real estate, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the past, I think, you know, there, there was, we relied more on defined benefit pension plans yeah. and a defined benefit pension plan dies with you. So at mm-hmm. the end of it, on the last death of your parent, yeah. uh, the income just stopped and, and that, sa- that satisfied their retirement for right. most people uh, years ago. So it's a, I would say that there is more money available to be left mm-hmm. to as an inheritance today. Um, the question of longevity risk, how long will somebody live and what medical requirements yeah. or expenses will they have later on are still the big kind of question marks t- that will determine mm-hmm. how much of that gets spent. Are kids depending too much on an inheritance? Well, I've seen scenarios where, you know, the financial plan, the retirement plan, it works when you include an inheritance, mm, yeah. but it's a little tight or maybe not as uh, confident a retirement without the inheritance. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. There's uh, kind of two camps. One say, I want to do it all on my own, and, I, and if I do get an inheritance, it is all bonus. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I like to think that most people should yeah. plan things. It's icing. Because things do change. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know longevity, whether they're going to use up all their money or not. Secondly, the one case that has happened in the past a couple of times is the widow or the husband or wife gets remarried mm-hmm. with a younger spouse and then wants to help out the younger spouse so the kids don't get as much as they thought right. or if any. Yeah. And that can really change. So you never want to count those chickens before they hatch. So it's always best to yeah. you know, <laughs> have your own plan. Have your own plan. The, the, fascinating, the fascinating part about this whole discussion to me is that we have seniors that are thinking about leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. We have baby boomers that are getting ready to retire and, and, and hoping to get a legacy <laughs> at some yes, point. Exactly. And, and everybody really wants to talk about it, but nobody is. Yeah. And that's the fun, that's the mm. strangest part to me mm. is that there's parents that are concerned about it. How is this going to work? What are we going to do? How do we equalize our estate? There's all kinds of questions they may have. How do we protect it from a marriage breakdown? All of these questions. Mm-hmm. And then the dis- actual discussion, you know, from the, from the younger the, in person, the young person's perspective is they want to kind of know, like, are you planning to spend it all? Yeah. Are you? Did you think you're going to leave something? How I'm is that going to, to work? trying to budget, mom and dad. Can <laughs> exactly. you help me out here? <laughs> and so they're really awkward conversations. Yeah. And I think for many of us uh, boomers that are trying to retire or coming up to retirement, there's part of us, as Don said, we want to do it on our own. And that comes from the conversation where we'll say to our parents, listen, you guys enjoy it. Yeah. You worked hard. Mm-hmm. You've saved spend your money, yeah. don't, we're going to be okay, yeah. you know, we're fine, just you you enjoy your retirement. And that is sort of from the heart, you feel mm-hmm. that, and then in the back of the mind, they're yeah. going, well, wait a minute. We just really, not too much. We just not too much. <laughs> 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 or there's the there's this silent brother or sister just kind of nodding yeah. their head. Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah. It's not New Year's Eve. <laughs> and so- Easy um, for you to say to yeah. go spend it, but I could actually use that. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, there's funny. different uh, agendas, I guess, for each child, depending on how how well they've prepared for their own retirement, how confident they are about their own retirement. I would have so, said desperate, but those are a nice choice <laughs> of words too. <laughs> confidence. And uh, well, confidence is something that we measure a lot because we're always trying to gauge how 
how comfortable, how confident should you be in terms of how much money you've saved and the lifestyle you're going to have? Is it going to last? Uh-huh. And confidence is an important is an important uh, feeling. But um, so in in having these conversations, it it's it's just it's odd. I guess what I would say is that if you break and begin the subject, if you open those opening lines about you know, oh my friends' parents were redoing their will, and I just wondered, have you guys? thought about have you updated yours or you know just discussions that can open up and you'd probably be surprised that both parties really do want to talk about it mm-hmm. and now I've recently had I mean we have these conversations with our clients all the time you yeah. know in terms of legacy planning etc and so and for our own for my own parents too in, in terms of their transition having that discussion it seems so natural for me to yeah. ask them and talk sure. to them about it and they feel very comfortable talking about it because yeah. it seems like a normal conversation but if you're if you're not skilled at it and mm-hmm. you're not a professional in terms of knowledge about these issues it's very difficult to sort of open it up and talk about it and not feel like you're you're the guy kind of depending on the yeah, inheritance you yeah. know like bottom line mom and dad how much am i going to get yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of little a lot of moving parts to this and you can kind of broach the subject with your with your parents you know for example do you have a living will mm-hmm. you know so if you got sick and there was some end of life decisions, you know, I th- we haven't really had that conversation. What, what were you guys thinking? You know, mm-hmm. have you had any thoughts like who's going to be in charge of that? If, if, if your spouse partner can't do it. So a living will is, is a great place to start because it just sort of talks about, you know, if you got sick, how yeah. are we going to handle that? And, and then we can go from there. Executors you know, have you named me as an executor mm-hmm. or is it my sister or brother or mm-hmm. is it all of us? And, you know, not, I'm not judging. I'm just, we, we kind of need to prepare for yeah. that. It's better to know in advance and, um, uh, a guardian. So this is for our younger clients, but if you still have children that are dependent, mm-hmm. um, or are, uh, incapacitated and need a guardian to look after them in case you're gone, who's that going to be? Uh, Liquid assets, setting aside liquid assets. So a discussion about, you know, have you guys prearranged your funeral? Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that? What, uh, what were your, um, what were your, your wishes there? Is it cremation? Is it a burial? Is it a, a, a sort of standard funeral? Is it a low budget funeral or is it over the top funeral? Mm-hmm. You know, where is your head on that? And then have you thought about, have you set aside money? Mm-hmm. Is there a life insurance policy that's designated to pay for that? Or how have you accommodated paying for those uh, final asset or final expenses? For example, taxes, paying off any debts, um, taxes on cottage properties, etc. Um, consider establishing a trust. And so now we get into something a little more complicated in the sense a trust is going to be an important piece for anybody who's under the age of majority, under the age of 18. Mm-hmm. But it also could be an important factor for looking after an adult child who is spendthrift or isn't very good with their money. I mm-hmm. think that's an important piece too. Beneficiaries. Beneficiaries. We see so many times beneficiary names are misspelled or, or somebody has passed away or somebody has remarried and the name has changed. So there's always need to review those beneficiaries, make sure that they're correct and accurate. Um, A list or a comprehensive list of financial assets. Have you sort of gone through, it's like making a list of everything you own and everything you owe Mm -hmm. and having that in one place. We do that as part of a regular review or annual review for our clients. We provide them a net worth statement so we can kind of see where everything is, Mm -hmm. values and what we owe. And then finally, just revising your will 
and thinking about, have we had any major life events recently? Have we had um, a marriage? Have we had a divorce? Has there been a birth of a child or a grandchild? Have we, uh, has there been a, spe- a death of a spouse or death of one of our beneficiaries? Have you purchased a property? Have you sold a property? Have you changed residences? Have you changed provinces? Have you changed countries? So all of those would be a great indication it's time to get looking at your will, take a review of it, and beginning this discussion about the legacy and how much an inheritance is going to be. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165. And also, you can check out the website, andyanddon.com, andyanddon.com. You can ask questions there via the listener inquiry button and also listen to old archive shows. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. And you can also take a peek at their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're talking about the new retirement as opposed to your grandparents' retirement. (laughs) Well, the old retirement, kind of your grandparents' retirement, you know, you work to 65. And generally speaking, you generally died before you're 75. Mm-hmm. You know, retirement planning wasn't that important because... Funeral planning was probably yeah. more important. <laughs> you know what? You, life insurance, in case you didn't make it to 65, yeah. uh, you know, making sure because perhaps you're... And generally it was the wife that would live longer, still is. Um, you had to make sure she was okay if you had kids and quite big families back then. Mm-hmm. So life insurance was actually a bigger deal. But mind you, their needs were a lot less. Mm-hmm. Okay, their, their expectations were a lot less. So, you know, going to university was uh, was something that people did, but not nearly to the extent. Yeah. You're, you're quite often in the workforce mm-hmm. well before that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the old retirement usually involved people that had pension plans. You worked at a company, they gave you a pension plan. And you worked there for a long time. Yeah. Uh, normally, you didn't switch jobs every five years trying to work up the ladder like you do now. The old retirement you used to have pretty good GIC rates, okay? Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to worry about any kind of risks per se in your money, you take your investments. Um, RSPs have, were around still, um, but you know, you, let's say you, you know, had $250,000, which would have been a, a ton of money, say back in 1985, you know, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, you'd make 25,000 a year in interest on that. Yeah. And, and again, $25,000 a year, go back to $85 was significant. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, it'd be like 50000 a year now. Sure. Okay. Well, then after a couple of renewals of those GICs, that same person, if they're still alive today, on that $250,000, let us say they spent just the interest every year, they would only be making 5000 a year at 2% interest. Mm. So a huge, huge change there. So again, the whole idea of financial planning wasn't that important because, again, you didn't need to plan that much. Yeah. Um, and again... We, we often joke there's a lot of commercials back then of Freedom 55. Yeah, what happened to that? Uh, yeah, it seems to be, you know, 
I, don't, I, don't hear as much about that now. I think 55 is a new 35. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. What is, what is interesting about the GIC factor, too, is I can't remember how many years ago it's been since we ever talked about a failure or potential failure of an institution mm. and the risk of a GIC. And recently mm. we've heard in the news about Home Capital Group has been uh, up against the ropes right now in terms of their uh, capital funding, et cetera. And so there is a, a risk factor right now to those people that hold GICs from, from that institution, mm-hmm. right? And, and even yeah. if there's CDIC insurance coverage, um, it only covers 100000 yeah. per person and a joint. So if you had you know one in the husband, one in the wife, and one in a joint, that would be 300000 mm-hmm. However, you don't get your check the day after. No. It's got to go through the courts. It's got to go through the whole rigmarole. Meanwhile, you're, you're, you're needing this income to live on. Mm. And it has been a long time. The last one was Confederation Life, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a life insurance company. And they were guaranteed. West, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're guaranteed 100000 And this is going back over 20 years ago. Funny enough, all the people that had GICs and had more than 100000 back then, they only got the hundred grand. Yeah. So anything over hundred, they didn't get. Mm-hmm. But anybody that had a mutual fund run by Confederation Life, they were just taken over by another insurance company and they got their money. Mm -hmm. So it always kind of interesting what people thought was risky was where the mutual funds turned out to be the safer investment. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the the safe one, the GICs, turned out to be the riskier investment. But again, we don't see that too often. This is kind of one of those ones that is strange these days. And totally different and again what we're doing people are chasing the returns and can't blame them because you know your bank accounts are earning zero Mm -hmm. you might get in a high interest bank account earning a half and something like home capital was earning you know 1.1 for a daily interest account it seemed pretty good it was a darling in fact actually some of the newspapers in the last year had it in their top 200 stock picks of ones to own Um, and again it doesn't look like they're going to hit that Mm. this year but the new retirement What's the new retirement? Well, first of all, let's take a look at the pensions. Well, unless you work for somebody that's usually associated with the government, you don't have a defined um, benefit plan. Right. And if you do, just like before, they weren't indexed anyway. Mm -hmm. Now, indexing isn't as big a deal because inflation is running around 2%, but still, it adds up, you know, over time. So... So if you're lucky, you do have them, but most people do not have a pension plan at all. But if they, quite frankly, most of the ones they do have are what they call defined contribution plans, where you're putting in money and the company's matching a certain percentage. Mm -hmm. So you put in a dollar, they put in 50 cents. They're fantastic. But again, the company has now put the onus on you to manage it. And they have a default plan. And we've talked about that a few times over the years. Um, Having said that, People are moving jobs a lot. And I have come across, I'm sure Andy might have seen the scene, where, where they have a, a group RSP at one place where they used to work and another group RSP at another place that they used to work. They got like four or five of them kicking around now mm-hmm. because they haven't taken the time to kind of consolidate them all. Yeah. And so that's just one of the areas that you really need to look at. It's like set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. Right? You just, it's automated and you don't even think about it yeah. after a while and, and you do forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, I've done it. Yeah, I'm done. I don't have to, I don't look at that anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah don't want to you know, go back to enjoying my life and not having to worry about money. But that is what the new, pen, that's the new retirement now is you do have to look after your money. Yeah. And whereas before people, you know, the, the people running the fund would have money in stocks, some in bonds, some in mortgages. You know, the teacher's fund is a perfect example 
where they would have a large portion of their fund in equities or stocks. And now it's up to us to take on that risk. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, one of the options for a, a pension fund, a, a defined contribution plan or a benefit, is to transfer your money to a locked-in retirement account. So you usually have a choice between an annuity, you can move it into an annuity and you'll get an income guaranteed for life, which sounds great, but you should look at you know the rate of returns, make sure it makes sense, or you can move it into a locked-in retirement account, all of these defined benefit plans. Well, the nice thing about the Lira is at least you have control of the money. Mm-hmm. When you have it in an annuity, you don't own that money anymore. You've taken the money, you've bought an annuity, and you get a promise to get back so many dollars a month. Right. Which again is the kind of the old pension plan, mm-hmm. which is you know nice, nice thing about it. You never have to worry about it. Yeah. But the other side is there is no money in case of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you die, then your wife would get a certain percentage of it, or all the same amount. But it depends on the more. Put it this way: the less risk you took on, the lower your payment would be. Right. Okay. Now, with the move to a lira, you now have to manage the money. But there's some cool things you can now control it. So if, you've, if you're in jeopardy of losing your old age security, you can delay your OAS, take out more out of your Lira. You, and once you move it to a LIF, you can actually move half of your LIF. Um, you can, what they call it is 50% cash out over to your RSP. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have it all locked in. And a LIF is a locked, uh, life income fund. It's the exact, call it the same as a, as a RIF, a registered retirement income fund except you still can't pull out more than a certain amount per year. Right. Okay, because it came from a pension. So when you're looking at pensions, um, if you are lucky enough to still have a pension, I would look at that as perhaps your fixed income portion. So if you were a teacher, if a teacher's listening or a police officer or nurse or what have you, and you're part of a pension fund, and you're going to get, say, 20000 a year. Well, that's almost like having 400000 at 5%, guaranteed for life. Mm-hmm. So now you can have your other investments at a, a higher risk right? because that is your fixed income. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, RSPs, what do you do with these RSPs? You're 65 now. Should you just carry on or should you start taking an income? Now, Andy and I have talked about this for quite some time of looking at RSPs as a way, you know, you save tax going in but you do have to pay tax mm-hmm. on the way out. Yeah. So we're looking at tax bracket management and trying to figure out what's the best time to take the money out of the RSPs. And quite frankly, it usually isn't waiting to 71. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you wait, now you've got this massive tax problem. So if you had, say, 500,000 in RSPs at 65, you might have 750, now at 71. Mm-hmm. And upon... You know, if, if, if you and your spouse did pass away, all that money's taxed in the final year of your death. Yeah. And we all know the highest tax bracket now is, is getting up there. It's well over 50%. It's 53.5%. So if your income at death is over two, 220000 more than half your money is going to the government. Mm-hmm. And that includes your RSP or RIF money. Yeah. So extremely important to manage that. And that's... I don't know about you, Andy. I find that's in December. We're doing a lot of that as, as tax bracket management. Well, you want you want to be able to make sure that people are not paying more tax on the way out than they mm-hmm. saved on the way in, right? Yeah. And that's the bottom line. 
simple math, but it, it's counterintuitive because nobody wants to pay tax any time on this stuff. Yeah. Right. You know? <laughs> defer, defer, defer. Yeah. And that's kind of the accountant way of looking at it is they always defer the tax. But if you saved at the 20% tax bracket and you're paying at the 50% on the way out, you lost. Yeah. The government won that game. Yeah. If you, if you yeah. could promise me that tax rates are going down, then... I might hold off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If 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 right now we talk about our fifty three and a half percent highest tax bracket in Ontario, if that was, you know, forty three. If that was ten percent lower, forty three percent. Well, then maybe there's there's rationale to to wait. But you never. I, I mean, it's yeah. very unlikely. Yeah. We, and we've gone through in our in the history of doing this for over thirty years. We've seen periods where governments have raised taxes and we've seen periods where governments have lowered taxes and now we're back up on the raise the the, the raise cycle again right. where we've seen them going up mm. and we're, we're actually in the highest tax brackets in 20 years right now mm-hmm. okay and uh and it does coincide with liberal governments that's normally the case they yeah. generally raise tax brackets and add in some type of social service and use the conservatives come in and lower them back down again yeah. um but the biggest risk is the states on these higher uh, these higher taxes because there isn't that many people earning over 220000 a year, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of estates yeah. that all their RSPs that they diligently put money away every, every month and for year after year, or their cottage had a massive capital gain, that's when they're getting, um, because all tax in the final year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's extremely important to manage that. So a lot of what we do is manage that tax bracket. Um, so one thing is RIFs, and I do find this a lot is people still think, well, I don't have to take money out of my RSP and move it to a RIF till 71. And that is true. That's the legal deadline. Mm-hmm. But if you do not have a pension fund of another source, at least $2,000 for you and your spouse, once they hit the age 65, qualifies for the pension deduction. Right. So I know this last week, for example, I moved a portion of somebody's RSP, about 20,000, over to a RIF even he's still working actually, mm-hmm. but we're paying out $2,000 a year because it qualifies for the pension credit. And his wife's a couple of years younger, so in another two years, she'll move some of her RSPs to a RIF. Mm-hmm. And uh, depending how long he works, we're, that's the other part of the new retirement. People are working longer. Yeah. You know, just because you're, you're 65, uh, again, uh, if 55 is the new 35, then 65 mm. must be the new 45 because people keep working and good for them but we do have to pay tax on that. So the RSP, one of the biggest things now is how to invest. And the biggest thing when we look at investing is risk. How much risk do you want to take? But when I think of risk, Scott, what would your biggest concern be? Losing money. Right. Losing money. Mm -hmm. That's always the one. First thing comes to everybody's mind is it's still, I think it's instilled from the stock market crash in 1929. We don't want to lose money. Well, True enough, and that's called market risk. And the way I look at market risk is, yes, markets do go up and down. We saw that in 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. There's probably a 35% drop in the market. Um, but depends on your window or the length of time you're going to have it in that in that investment. So if you have a example, if your timing is, I'm looking at a, a six-month window, mm-hmm. and the market went down 10% that six months. You're saying, wow, I, didn't, I hate this investment. It's down 10%. Mm-hmm. Now, if you stretch that timeline or look at a, a one-year window, and let's say it recovered over that, and you ended up at zero. Ah, you get those bad years, 0%. I can handle that. It's the same investment. 
It just happened to go down in the first six months and recover in the next six months. Yeah. Now, if you take if you stretch it out even further to say ten years, there's never been a negative ten year period in the Canadian stock market. So as long as you're looking long term, your capital risk or market risk is far less. Now the next the big risk that I always we always talk about is inflation risk. And that is closely tied with longevity risk. Mm-hmm. Because as of uh, a show or two ago, we talked about how many people are now 100. Yeah. And there's over 8,000 people. It's the fastest growing area in Canada in t- terms of our population. So longevity risk, and in, like I said, are very closely tied with inflation risk. You have to invest for that. Freedom 100. Freedom 100. There you go. <laughs> Freedom <sad>. 55. <laughs> yeah. Double it, minus 10. There you go. <laughs> so, and then tax risk. Now, tax risk for your RSPs doesn't really apply. Because when you pull money out of your RSPs, it's taxable. Mm-hmm. But again, as Andy and I were just talking about, you, we want to minimize the tax. So if we can get your income to say 75000 a year right now, you're still going to get your old age security and you're only going to pay at the highest bracket is 29.65%. So just call it 30%. Mm-hmm. Heck of a lot better than paying 53 and a half. Yeah. So a lot of our planning is trying to get people to get their income up to that level, even if they don't need the money. Mm-hmm. We can always take the money, invest it into a tax-free savings account. We just don't want to pay the 50-plus percent tax bracket. And then there's the interest rate risk. Interest rates rise. Yeah. And if you have your money in bonds, when interest rates rise, bonds go down. So that's another risk. So again, comes back to creating a balanced portfolio. And all these <clears throat> things, so when Andy and I are looking at your investments in, say, your RSPs, we take into account all those types of risks and try to come up with a portfolio that you'll be comfortable with. Now, you might have said at the beginning of the meeting, oh, I don't want this type of investment. But I generally find it's, it's usually because they don't understand it. And once they understand all the risks, they would probably want a more balanced approach. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. 905-529-7165. You can call now, leave a message. They will get back to you. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister, Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call them, leave a message. They will get back to you at 905-529-7165. And you You can check out old shows and ask a question via the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. All right. How to sabotage your finances. Wait a sec. I can do this on my own. I I don't need you guys. Don was was sharing such sage advice there. So I thought, let's go the opposite. Let's go off the rails. That's perfect. Here's what you need to do Do to get in trouble. First thing first, don't save. You know, wow. spend. I'm liking right? this. <laughs> Don't save. I hope we always just tuned in. No, no, we just tuned in. Should you be saving up to 10% of your income? Uh, yes. But if you're going to sabotage your finances, throw that out the window because mm. uh, I had a conversation with my daughter just under her first full, full career job, and we were talking about, uh, you know, the goal of, of having a million dollars. And uh, I said, listen, the bottom line is if you're a good saver, you will accumulate a million dollars. You'll get there. But if you don't create those habits now and you don't keep it going, it's going to be hard sledding. How can not every one of your kids be great at this? (laughs) 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 Considering the vice they have right under their own roof. I'll tell you why. Because I have a a three-strike rule. 
And I figure the best way in life to learn is through natural consequences. And so when you have a financial strike, maybe you'll load a credit card too high, you get Uh into trouble. Uh, Maybe you had a a cell phone bill you you didn't pay and you ignored it and now creditors are after you. Maybe you had a student loan that you got behind. These are all strikes Mm -hmm. that are part of the pain Mm -hmm. of learning how to be financially responsible. Mm -hmm. So this is my theory. I'm not saying it's the only theory, but it it certainly, uh, I'm I'm working on it so far. I'll let you know how it works out. I hope, hope Andy doesn't do that with uh, learning how t- teaching the kids to drive a car. <laughs> <laughs> that would be expensive. <laughs> but got to think about it. How many kids have had a fender bender yeah, and they have to pay for it? True. And then the responsibility of owning a car suddenly becomes a big one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's not saving enough. Keeping up with the Joneses, mm-hmm. right? We all want to do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember a client saying a neighbor had moved in from out west or something, and they arrived with three uh, marquee vehicles. Mm. They had a convertible Porsche that was stored for the winter. Yikes. They had the Range Rover that was for just winter driving. Right. And then they had a nice BMW sedan for all other times. Yikes. And so <laughs> it was like, I was getting calls about, I went, we're thinking about a new car. Mm. <laughs> anyway, keeping up with the Joneses. And I know we talked about this. Maybe you could buy this. a used one off the neighbor. That's right. We <laughs> talked about this uh, many shows ago, but there was a, um, a study that was co-authored by a University of Alberta professor that for each $1,000 that your neighbor wins in a lottery, mm. each $1,000 that your neighbor wins, your chance of going bankrupt rises by 2.4% for every $1,000 because they start renovating, they start doing things and suddenly you're feeling, hey, our house looks like... You don't want to live next (laughs) to a lottery winner. No. No. Um, Number two, don't negotiate a salary increase. (laughs) Don't bother. Don't ask. And if you're a woman, apparently you never ask. Mm. So men are eight times more likely to actually ask for a salary increase, whether it's at the beginning of the job or throughout the job than women. Mm -hmm. And if you think about your salary as the number one source, you know, over the years, think about how much you would make. Just if you were making 70 grand a year for a 35 year career, 40 year, you're talking about over $3 million. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, um, statistics tell us that, um, Women leave over $1 million on the table during their working lifetime by not asking for a salary increase. Hmm. Uh, You know, your home's gone up in value, so why don't you just use that as an ATM? Sure. Good idea. Cash it in. We've got some uh, little fixing up to do. We've got a few things on our bucket list we were thinking about, some travels and stuff. Interest rates are low, very cheap to, Mm -hmm. I can afford it, no problemo. So- you know, go ahead, use the house as an ATM. Remember, you got to pay it back at some point, Yeah. right? It all comes around. Uh, oh, you don't need an emergency fund. Mm-mm. No, you don't need a short-term reserve, right? Just card, credit card to credit card. No worries at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everything will work out. Yep. Uh, it turns out that 50% of Canadians don't have 200 bucks. Half of Canadians don't have 200 bucks in the event of an emergency, an extra bill, an all-time one thing. Uh, One in five, 20% of us will run out of money in one week if we lost our job, our primary source of income. Hmm. So there's a lot of people that are tenuous at this point, 
boy, setting aside a little bit of money, saving for uh, a short-term reserve would be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, you should get a new car. Yeah. What? You have to. How old are you? Only three years? That's okay. Get a new car. Nothing like that new car smell, right? Mm. (laughs) And, uh, but you know, I would say the fascinating thing about cars to me is that the new, between the new warranties, I'm seeing five-year warranties, seven-year warranties on certain parts, up to 10-year warranties on, on mm-hmm. cars. And the reality is, is that the, the goal is they are making them better they and they are longer. making them to last a lot longer. Yeah. And you begin to look at the used car market and it's pretty robust. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you get a discount, but it's not as much as it used to be mm-hmm. for an older car. But the cost, uh, in terms of sabotaging your finances, in terms of replacing and always having a new yeah. car too often, is enormous in terms of that future value of how much you could have saved or done with that money. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can follow old archive shows there and also ask a question via the Lister Inquiry button. We're coming right back. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We're planning your financial future. 905-529-7165. Call that number. Leave a message. They will get back to you. And investigate their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Uh, is knowledge helping your investments? You would think it, it does, doesn't it? Uh, the, you know, knowledge is power, right? Absolutely. The more you know, yeah, and, better you uh, are. And I'll get to that just in a second. But first, we'll talk about the markets a little bit. First of all, everybody does like the markets in some fashion. Mm-hmm. As much as they say, oh, I hate the stock market. And meanwhile, they're texting on their iPhone that mm-hmm. they've sold billions of. Hmm. Or they're watching their big screen TV. Or they're driving their nice vehicle. And none of these would have been possible without stock markets. Mm-hmm. Because the stock market is simply the free flowing of capital. So if you want to raise money, you can either go and let, you know, have to go out and borrow money, mm-hmm. which is a case of a bond, or you get the stock market where people own shares of your company. Right. And that will get, generate money so that you can develop your country, or your company rather. So it's, a, and, and really what it does, it'll, it makes, it's allowing the size of companies to get bigger. It allows, everything's less, is certainly more affordable because of the stock market. Mm-hmm. Everything's more efficient and everything's more accessible. So in a sense, the stock market is doing what it always was supposed to do. Now, in the past 50 years, we've had access to more information than ever. Mm -hmm. In fact, that BlackBerry, iPhone, Samsung, whatever you have in your pocket, has more computing power a thousandfold than what the 1967 mainframe did of the IBM that you basically took up three floors in some building. Mm -hmm. And it's- More than Apollo rockets that took people to the moon. Mm. Yeah. There's more information in your phone. Wow. Absolutely insane. How, how much more mm. information. And, but we are inundated with information to a certain extent. So Dalbar is a company that does quantitative analysis of investment investor behavior. And they've looked at when people are buying the stocks, when they're selling in mutual funds, they look at the cash flow, how much going into different funds and how much when's it leaving. And they look at the returns that the actual clients are getting, not the fund, mm-hmm. because the fund is getting whatever it's getting. And it turns out in 1990s when they originally did this, so call it 20 years ago, the uh, the client actually received about 40% less return. Mm-hmm. So if the 
funded averaged 10, the client only got 6%. Right. Because of when they got into the investment and when they pulled the money out of the investment. Mm -hmm. So today, with all this information, all these people saying what we, you know, what you should be doing, and now we got robo-advisors. There's so many ways to invest in, you think we gotta be better. It turns out today's numbers are identical. Really? We're still only getting 60% of the return on average hmm. because it comes down to we're human. We're not wired to make money. We're not wired to be a good invest investor. Education doesn't work because when the market drops, people still panic. Yeah. And when the market's hot as a pistol, people gravitate to it. Mm -hmm. Perfect example right now would be real estate. Yeah. When people are bidding wars, after the market's already gone up 33%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't know. It just seems insane to We're me. We're already seeing that level off. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to level off now. But I, I just, I happened to be talking to a friend of mine last week and he has lost on five bids so far. He's trying to buy a place in Burlington. Mm -hmm. And he's he's golfing and he's trying to get a deal set yeah. together. They're not even seeing the house. Yeah. Now, we all know everything has its cycles. But what happens is people's in, intu uh, intuitive expectations are really governed by the misperceptions of the world. We do not learn, hmm. okay? And it's funny, experts say a lasting financial success needs an excellent financial plan. If you're gonna be successful, you need a financial plan. And in turn, you need an excellent financial planner, okay? Mm -hmm. They go hand in hand. Now, the other part of a, of a financial planner is behavioral coaching. It's a paramount function of what of Andy and I do. We're sitting there making sure they don't blow up our plan. Yeah. We spend a lot of time getting this great plan together. <laughs> and then they talk about, well, what if uh, you know Trump gets elected? Mm -hmm. I guess we should pull it all out back in December. Well, we don't let them, and thankfully so, because now the market's gone up. Mm -hmm. It could have gone down, yep. but we didn't know, and nobody knows. In fact, you know, if you look at the best investors in the world, they all don't. Now, the other thing a lot of people are doing is because of information, they're chasing returns. So Morningstar comes out with all the best a Canadian funds or all the funds, doesn't matter. You can pick the best global fund, the best, whatever you, you can get it. Five-star rating. Five-star rating, let's get that one. Well, generally speaking, they're, they happen to be investing in the right segment or the right sector in that fund. And that sector could be awful the next year. Mm -hmm. And what's a five-star rating one year becomes a two-star rating the next year. Right. So you end up chasing performance and you never do well. Again, going back to only getting 60% of the actual performance. So after I've been doing this for 31 years, Andy, I think you're 32 or coming up to it. Yes. And one thing I think we can all agree is the economy cannot be forecast. Hmm. The market cannot be timed. There is no f lasting financial success without having an excellent financial plan and, as I mentioned, an excellent financial planner. You must be looking at your financial planner and saying, he better be excellent because mm -hmm. he's looking after all my money and, and he or she, rather, is getting me to the other side where I'm going to have a very good retirement. Mm -hmm. um, Long-term performance is dictated through temperament and we need to have tough love to our clients. I hate to say it when clients say, I want to think I'm going to go in cash right now. We have to be up to the call saying, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. And they'll have all the best reasons in the world why it's different this time. But at the end of the day, they need to stay invested because that's the only way you'll get the 100% of your return. And so it works out that since March of 2009, the Standard Poor's, the U.S. stock market, is up three and a half times. 
So if you put in $100,000, it would be worth 350000 right now mm. if you didn't touch it. But unfortunately, too many people have made the big mistake and few have actually got into that. So again, to wrap it all up, information is great, but sometimes a little information is dangerous dangerous when it comes to a financial plan. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now, leave a message, 905-529-7165, and check out the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you Thanks, next Scott. week. Thank you, Scott.